Tell me what you really, really want. Hi, I'm your hostess, Lisa Drennan. Welcome to Forgiving the Girl Inside, A Matter of the Heart. In these episodes, we connect with courageous women who are ready to share their healing journey stories. Forgiveness is all about connecting with our inner child, connecting with our heart, and realizing we can never go back and change the circumstances, but we can certainly gain a new perspective. Mindset is the crux of all that we do. It's a matter of the heart. Want to be a guest? Visit lisadrennan.com and sign up today. Would love for you to like, rate, and leave a comment on this episode. Be sure to share it with who you know will resonate the most with it. Want to learn more about aligning your thoughts with your heart? Subscribe to my website and connect for a free discovery call where we dive into Welcome to this episode of Forgiving the Girl Inside, A Matter of the Heart. I'm your hostess, Lisa Drennan, mindset business strategist, here with a beautiful, I don't have my glasses on, I'm going to have to put them on because I cannot see names. <laughs> I am here with the beautiful Christy Ward, who is an incredible woman ready to share her story post-abortion. And for those of you who don't know, I have my own story that I share in my book, Forgiving the Girl Inside, Finding Balance, Freedom, and Fun in Your Life. And as a woman um, living in this time of age where we have a choice, it's still something that impacts us emotionally and mentally. And Christy um, specializes in mental and emotional health. She has a beautiful um, business of beautiful um, relationships with her clients where she just really helps with the trauma from anything, from any kind of, um, you know, anxiety, PTSD, things that really take a hold on us. And we were talking pre-show, I had mentioned the book, The Body Keeps the Score. And if you experience any physical pain that is unresolved and you can't get relief from, emotions may have something strongly to do with it. Most likely it is why you're feeling that way. And study after study shows when you connect the thoughts with your heart, you get a different result. You get a new perspective. So we're just going to dive in today with Christy and hear her beautiful story. So thank you so much for being here, Christy, and your willingness to share, um, you know, what had happened and and that choice that we have, that we we take advantage of it, but afterwards we're like, why did I do that? So tell us, what was life like before um, you became pregnant? What were you doing? I was in high school, and I want to say hello and welcome, and thank you for having me on the show. Um, life before, so I'm in high school, and it's about my senior year in high school, preparing to go to college. And I, I remember it so vividly literally like it was just yesterday. Uh, I personally had a commitment to abstinence in my mind at that time. It was going to be once I got married. I had those traditional values uh, that I was holding on to. And I was probably one of the oldest in my group to not have had sex. And so peer pressure is real. And I remember being around my cousins and they were always talking about sex. <laughs> and so hence curiosity starts stirring up. And, and I remember dating. Um, and, and at this time, 
this was the individual that I chose, you know, to go all the way with um, just a few years older than I was. And at the time he told me that he was using protection and clearly he did not use protection because I remember my body started changing, Lisa. And I remember fainting in my hallway at home and I was really confused. Why in the world did I faint? And I just noticed my body was changing. I was gaining weight, all the signs. But in my mind, I had no clue. I hadn't even considered it because he said he used protection. And sure enough, when I went to the doctor, found out that I was pregnant and I was devastated. I was blown away because here I am. I have all these dreams, aspirations. I'm not even in a mental state to care for myself, let alone for a child. And that's where I was at the beginning of it. Yeah. And I think a lot of women who find themselves pregnant, especially teenagers, they're don't, they're not mentally able to care for a child. And they, you know, look at that one option. Like when I was 16, you know, before I was 17, I was pregnant three times and two ended in abortion. And at that time, I remember just crying out and saying, I'm not ready. I'm not old enough. There's no way the shame and the guilt that goes with being pregnant. And um, looking back at my own experience, I thought, why did I even put myself in that position? And like you, I was with somebody that was older and, you know, sometimes we use protection, sometimes we didn't. And just the thought process that went behind it, it's just like, no, I can't do it. Um, so when you found out that you were pregnant, what did you do? Did you tell that person and they decided what happened after that? Yeah, I remember calling him, telling him that I went to the doctor and ultimately they called me. I'd just gotten a call and they said that I was pregnant and he laughed. He thought I was joking. And I said, I am not joking. And I told him I can't have the baby. And initially I did not want to tell my mom it was going to be a secret. She was never going to know about it. And I had no job, hence no money to take care of it and get the abortion. And I I asked him for the money. And so he said he would give me the money. And the day that he was supposed to give me the money, Lisa, I went over to his house to pick it up. And I saw his car in the front yard and he never answered the door. I even went to the back of the house where I knew his room was and knocked on the window, would not respond. And so I knew I was done. <laughs> I had to go to my mom because that was the only source of income. And I, I dreaded talking to her about that. I mean, I'm going to tell you, my mother was a hard working woman, two, three jobs. So the last thing I wanted to bring her was stress about, okay, how can I take care of another child uh, in that, in that space during that time. And so I remember even when I got my cycle, I didn't even want to tell her about my cycle. I didn't even know how to communicate that. I put my undergarments in a brown paper bag. That's how afraid I was of letting her down because she always had this precious little only child that she's been dressing up since I was a child. I've been in front of the camera. She put me in these teas. Even I, th- I thought about uh, during that time when I found out the news, I was in a, a pageant and I'm on stage pregnant. And I did not want her to know uh, during this time, but I had to, to share with her what, what it transpired because I needed her help. And, and that was the only reason I revealed it to her. How did you respond when you told her? She was very calm. And my, that's one thing I, my mother is known for her love. When I look back over my life and all the awful decisions that I made, that's the one thing that was a hallmark of who she was and who she is to this day. 
her unconditional love is really what gave me strength to go through that moment. And so she asked me, what do you want to do? And I told her that I did not want to keep the child. I was, I was not there. I was not ready. And so she helped me. She gave me the money and it really was her last. And I remember driving to the clinic well, riding with, with her to the clinic and there were protesters all around and they were, you know, protesting this doctor. And they were saying that this doctor, um, had been in other states sued for malpractice. And so I didn't even know what the truth was, but they were protesting against, you know, his practice. And I went in just shaking. And I remember lying on the bed, Lisa, and I cried the whole time my mom was there with me, held, held my hand, but I cried nonstop. And even after that, I just, I cried. I, I knew it was more weighty than I could articulate and explain at the moment. And it was a major decision, especially I remember the protesters, they, you know, when I stopped, my mom stopped the car and um, they gave me a pamphlet and there was this little bitty baby showing that the baby was, you know, a certain number of weeks of fetus and that it was a real baby. If you go inside there, you're killing a real baby. And, and that piece stood with me for 20 years. And I remember, you know, as, you know, as I fast forward a little bit, you know, through my young adult years, that decision, that baby would travel with me. Whenever I would move, I would put it in, you know, my garment drawer. And it was always this reminder of the decision that I had made that was so shameful that I couldn't even talk about. Yeah. And realizing that it's a baby, like when I had my abortions, it was a blob. It was a tissue. There was no heartbeat. You know, I was really early. I was six weeks and the protesters were out and I remember, and I was so drugged up on Valium. I had no clue. I was just like, what, you know, and my boyfriend was with me at the time and pulled me like away from these people. So I just remember like, you know, the blurred vision and the shouts and if they gave me anything, he took it from me. So I, I wasn't aware. And when I was um, in 2016, I went to um, the human, I think it was called the human design um um, traveling museum, uh, not a museum. Um, dem- um, I'm, I can't think of what it's called right now. They had a human human um, stages of life. Okay. Different um, um, models that they were portraying in this museum, like in this. Uh, um, it's not wasn't an art show, but it was like. Um, what do you, I guess it's like a museum. I can't think of what it's called, but anyways, you can go through this exhibit and see the different stages of life. And they had the babies at the different stages from, you know, conception until birth. And then they had like the human bodies, like in different positions and all the the veins and the musculars and just like the incredible intricacies of how humans are designed, um, you know, from the inside out. And it was just a beautiful depiction. And when I saw the baby, I was just like, that's not a blob. <laughs> and it, it really had an impact on me from, I mean, I had my abortions in 1985 and here it is 2016 and I'm standing at this exhibit, just tears streaming down my eyes thinking, oh my God, what did I do? Mm. And it was just so devastating. And it just, that trigger lasted for weeks and I became so angry and so irritable after I saw that. And, you know, realizing that, okay, I need to process this. And I had been in therapy for years because of anger, not knowing that it stemmed all the way back from 
you know, this event. So to have that. So you went through with it. It's awesome that your mom supported you. Um, what was it like afterwards? Like you woke up, um, you had this pamphlet, you said you put it in your drawer, didn't look at it again. I'm assuming you never had any contact with this guy. <laughs> they kind of just go out the door, right? Yeah, <laughs> definitely cut that off. And uh, when you said anger, I, I noticed anger. I was so angry because that is that pain it, and it starts changing. If you don't deal with that unprocessed pain, unhealed pain, it does turn into anger. And even research shows that women who have had abortions, they typically um, have suicidal ideations. I definitely had the suicidal ideations. I went into depression, battled depression for probably two decades up and down. And my emotion had no idea that you're saying would it stem from that one decision uh, until I was ready to look at it face to face. I kept hiding. Research also shows that women who've had abortions, they tend to abuse you know, substances. So substance abuse mm-hmm. came in, into play. I started drinking. I was trying to drown out the, the pain. So it was just getting too loud. And I just would drink, you know, I came to Florida State University, I ended up, you know, going to, to college. That was the, the plan. Uh, but because I made this decision, and it's secret pain, and I'm trying to numb it out, it showed up in promiscuity, which is another uh, stat that for women who've had abortion. So they tend to be more promiscuous. So I went from being completely abstinent. Now it's okay, well, let's just have sex. And so I I think that went through a five-year phase with that, Lisa, when I was just tired and I just was exhausted emotionally because clearly that pain wasn't going anywhere. And especially when I got to the place where I just wanted to leave earth. And I remember asking God, just take me. I'm ready. I just was just tired of running from myself, running from life, running from purpose, running from fear, running from shame. And I remember telling a friend, I want to be like Joyce Meyer, who is free to share her painful story. And for those that don't know Joyce Meyer, she shared that she had been sexually abused by her dad for years. And she has this global platform where she heals other women. But I knew that I couldn't make impact in the lives of women if I was a prisoner to my own pain. And that's when I was really ready to start looking at it. And I started sharing with my friend girl, you know, a safe space. And then ultimately got to the courage to share it in a church and then share it in a magazine and hence sharing it on your podcast where I'm no longer enslaved by yesterday. Yeah. And sharing it made such a huge difference. I know um, the first chapter in my book is I swore I would never tell. My mom didn't know. No one knew. And Mm. when I finally got rid of the guy, he's like threatened me. I'm going to tell your whole family. And I was just like, whatever. Well, apparently he did. But my mom never said anything. In 2016, I started sharing my story with my family. And and I'd, I'd met my husband. We've been together for 32 years now. But I told him for the first time in 2016, I had gone through a crisis where I was like, I was just so at the end of my rope, like you said, you get so angry and frustrated and you go into this depression. I was overeating, over drinking, overspending. I was addicted to the three major things in the health, wealth and relationships. And I was constantly starting fights and arguments, especially with him. Mm -hmm. And 
when I, I told him, he's like, well, I knew. I'm like, what do you mean you knew? He's like, your mom told me when we got into that huge fight. I'm like, how does my mom know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> like you guys. And like, well, why didn't you ever tell me that you knew? He goes, well, I figured if you wanted me to know, you would share it with me. That wasn't, it wasn't her story to tell. It was your story. You know, and so that, that respect was really, um, it was very um, encouraging and, and, so, and he's been a great support. And as I get on here and share my story, he's like, are you sure you're comfortable with this? And I'm like, yeah, I, I want to help women. And, you know, I said no to God for so long to help women post-abortion that it's like when I finally said yes, it's even still scary because there's still that there's still that judgment from what I believed in growing up, like our worldviews are so imprinted. And I believe, you know, from generation to generation, like you grew up this way and you need to do A, B, and C. And then when you don't do A, B, and C, and you're like, I'm going to be the black sheep. Yep. <laughs> Let me go over here and do what I want to do and forget all of you. I'm not going to do what you're all doing. And I think of that dysfunction in my family and, and how rebellious I was and, you know, all of these things. And it's like, you know, have that compassion and just the way God has that compassion and mercy on us and, and be, it's so humbling to know, like for years and years, I thought I was the only one. And I, I do have friends who are um, pro-choice and I am a liaison for this organization called Compass Care. My husband and I do it together, but it's an organization in upstate New York that women who are, who are, un, have, are facing unplanned pregnancies, they have the option to go to Compass Care, get an ultrasound, get STD testing, they hear the gospel, and then they get to choose if they choose to keep their baby, um, whether to raise it or to give it up for adoption. There's like a mother support system, and it's a beautiful, beautiful organization, but they found the founder of Compass Care I was told his mom was going to abort him and decided not to. And so, you know, he has, he had it on this heart to create this organization and studies show that once a woman has an ultrasound and hears their child's heartbeat, they change their mind because they understand that that's life. Now, a lot of women will go there and it'll be too soon for a heartbeat. And I use that as comfort in my own, like I forgave my, I finally forgave myself on May 7th of 2021. Because I, I never thought I could forgive myself for what I did, not once, but twice. And when I forgave myself, there was this like huge release, this lifting of this, this cloud. But every now and then I get that little trigger, that little reminder, and I have to go back and I have to revisit it. So it's like a daily healing journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you look at it that way, did you experience anything similar to that as far as like these triggers? And it's just like, you know, I, I, well, first, did you forgive yourself for what you did? And if so, then I guess you can answer the second question. (laughs) Sorry, I'm going off on a little tangent here. (laughs) I absolutely did, Lisa. And it it took about 20 years. And I remember I was on this 50, I'd say, yeah, it was about 53, 53 days fasting. And it was like the Daniel's fast. And during that time I was seeking I did that. <laughs> yeah, I was seeking something different. I wasn't even thinking about remember I told you the little baby fetus that they put gave in, in this envelope that was in the drawers anytime I've moved. So it, it moved with me for the past, you know, the 20 years at that time. And all of a sudden, um, maybe around, you know, day it was around day 53, and I think I ended up going 70s in the 70s. So that's what it was like, like beyond half point. And 
all of a sudden I just had this desire to go in that drawer, get that baby and throw it in the trash. And that was the turning point for me that because I wasn't I wasn't any that tangible representation that I let go that I can't rewind the hands of time. I can't undo what I've done. Right. And that was the beginning of the ending of really releasing it because I, like you were saying, daily choices, I've forgiven myself, but then I would notice like I would, I remember Kathy Chicoli's song. I can't remember the title of it, but it was, it was dealing with life, the baby in life and uh, her forgiving. And I feel like she was singing about an abortion, but her forgiving herself for the choice that she had made. And I remember that song really stood out. It was a part of that healing process. I started journaling, uh, like crazy during that time as I was trying to understand who I was and and the pain. And when you mentioned compassion, compassion, love has been the key that continues to allow me to step into new levels of liberty because I believe that you keep evolving, you keep shedding those old thoughts, old memories that come up, as you say, if you're triggered. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and dealing with the triggers every single day is so important because ignoring them, you you go into that cycle and you get snarky. And you know, like my husband, I tell my husband all the time, you need to remind me like when I'm being snarky because I'm being triggered and I haven't addressed it. And mm. I've been spending a lot of time journaling. Winter months are really hard for me, and I don't recall when I had the abortions. I don't. I know it happened. Like I was pregnant three times prior to age 17. And the third one I kept, I have a beautiful son. He's, he's going to be 36 in May. And I remember after the second one crying, um, my mom, we were very religious, very Catholic. And my mom used to get all these prayer cards. And there was one in particular called the abortion tree. And in my book, I share the poem and I saw that and I thought, well, that's weird that it's like right on top. It was this ugly orange color, you know, back in the eighties, that weird orange that we had. And um, I'm like, what is this? And I grabbed it. I went into my room and I could still picture my younger self curled up in a, in the fetal position, just saying this prayer, this reading this poem over and over again, crying my heart out. And one of my older brothers had walked in and saw what I was doing and just grabbed it. And he's like, you did this. And I'm like, shut up, get out of here. I'm just praying for the, you know, praying for the woman that have done this, right. Not going to admit to him anything. And um, I remember saying to God saying, if I ever get pregnant again, I'm going to keep the baby. I'm going to be responsible. And lo and behold, this is, I broke up with the guy and then got back together with him and, and got pregnant. And I was just like, okay, I remember telling my mom and she was, she wasn't, she was angry, but she wasn't like, she was supportive. <laughs> she told my, she, you need to call your father. My parents were divorced. I hadn't, I wasn't close to my father at all. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, here I am 17 years old. I called up my dad. I'm like, dad, I'm pregnant. You're going to be a grandfather. Mm-hmm. And, and he was happy because I was emancipated and he didn't have to pay child support. It's like, whatever. <laughs> So, um, but they were, they were supportive. They were controlling. Um, my dad didn't really have much to do because I didn't live with him, but my mom was very controlling and took over and didn't respect me as a mom. So that was another battle. That's another story in itself, Mm. but, um, still, you know, she thought that that was the first time I had gotten pregnant and she wanted me to, you know, put the person in jail for statutory rape and like a 17 year old hearing this stuff. I'm like, what? (laughs) That's not even right thinking like, no. And um, so I think about all the, all the things 
that, you know, get triggered and remind me of like, if I can turn back time, you know, that song from Cher, if I can just turn back time, you know, what would I do differently? And it's like, I definitely would have not like you, I made that vow, like all of my friends at 15, 16 years old, we're starting to, you know, have sex in these relations. And they're like, no, Lisa, you stay a virgin, you know, protect yourself. And I'm like, I'm going to stay a virgin. I'm not going to do anything until I get married. And yeah, that didn't last very long. And, you know, and I think, well, would I go back and do that? Like, and I don't know what I would do again. I can't change. Like you had said, you can't go back and change the circumstances, But what I have learned and what I've created in my signature program is the fact that you can get a new perspective, a different perspective, and that every single thing that happens, there's something good that comes out of it. And I write down often, what is the good that came out of my experience? And we all make choices that we're not proud of in all aspects of our life. You know, if if you list the ways that we can hurt somebody, um, And when we hurt ourselves, I think it's the most difficult to deal with because so many of us, especially women, especially moms who are caring for young children, they don't put themselves first. You know, me time is selfish. A lot of, you know, women think me time is selfish. I need to cater. I need to people, please. I need to do this. And it's stop because if you don't take care of you, you can't pour into others. So what were some of the things that you did? Like when you get your triggers, what are some of the things that you do to take care of yourself? Yeah, I often say that we live by design and not default. One of the major changes, Lisa, that I made was getting off the default setting, going back to, I'm not going to live like the angry black woman and I'm known for my happiness, now my energy. And so the things that give me that internal joy it's usually nature. Just this weekend, I, I treated myself, went to Bach Tower Gardens in Lake Wells, Florida. And it's just this beautiful botanical sanctuary, if you will. So weekends are for wellness. You know, I'm doing something every single day to pour into myself from visual cues. I have a, a candle here that says breathe on my keychain, breathe essential oils every single day when I'm you know, before I do coaching sessions, I'm breathing in essential oils, waterfall is in the background. I walk my dogs multiple times throughout the day. So I'm always pouring back into myself after I've poured into others. And that physical movement just moves your energy around. So it's all about how can I put myself in the best state of being every single day. It's not an option because I remember life in depression. I remember being angry all the time for no reason. And for me, I just went cold turkey from, you know, substance because I come from a family who has abused substances. And so that was 1992. So I have not drank since 1997. I even eliminated profanity from my vocabulary since 1997. You know, F-bombs have come out of this mouth. Uh, But I wanted to be the best version of myself. And so I'm asking every single day, how can I work with wellness in mind? Like you were mentioning, women often people please. I have learned the art of being highly selective. I can't tell you how many times I get offered opportunities 
but I know I like to stay in balance internally. I like my joy, I like my peace. I, I used to be the one that was always saying yes. And Warren Buffett, his quote, he said, say no to 99 things and yes to one. And being able to say no, allow me to enjoy my own energy. I don't know if you've ever been there, but if you're giving your energy away and you don't have anything to give to yourself and you have nothing but crumbs, that doesn't feel good. That felt like I was dishonoring myself. And so having an abortion, that was not honoring my body and my opinion. That's my belief. And so now I live a life where how can I honor my body? How can I honor my decision? Even in honoring those that I serve, because I I would tell myself, you deserve the same lavish love that you give to others. And that was a game changer for me. You know, rewarding myself. If I work hard every every week, I get a reward. This was my reward this past week. This is strawberry pound cake, bath and body. So something so simple, but it's the little things. And another thing that I do is I believe in self-validation, self-affirmation. So I have a, a gratitude jar and it says you rock. But I'll pull out the gratitude jar, of a card that resonates, and then I'll write a note to myself. So I don't look for somebody to breathe life into me, breathe inspiration into me. I give it to me. I give myself what I need in those moments. And I do have a, a beautiful support system, but my emotional state is not their responsibility. Amen. I love that. That's exactly <laughs> what I do. I mean, self-love and self-fulfillment and getting that affirmation. I have a love jar note. So I pull love notes out to myself and read those every single day. And, you know, I, I, I too use young living, I use young living essential oils and I have my diffuser with the music going on. And every morning I sit and I journal and I just think, and I, I spend time visualizing like my favorite spot is the beach, hoping to move to Florida someday um, or someplace on a lake, but just to wake up and hear that water. So you had mentioned a waterfall, the soothing of the water is so comforting to me. And I, on my phone, every time I go to the beach, I record the ocean and I can listen to that at my whim. So I can just be in that moment and taking those things and treating yourself. It's so important because you can never get love from, from external validations always comes from within. And I love your quote from Warren. It's um, trusting your intuition and knowing, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And knowing your limitations and establishing those healthy boundaries and speaking your voice is so important. So thank you so much for sharing. I, we have a lot of similarities. So tell us a little bit about your business. You are, you're a coach. Yes, I do mental and emotional wellness coaching, uh, pre- present on stages, keynote speaker for leaders, women in leadership, typically corporations bring me in. And so whether it's speaking, writing or coaching, I'm in that space five days a week and then the weekends when I go speak. That's beautiful. And what's the best way for um, the audience to get, a, get to connect with you? <laughs> yes, they can visit me online, queenfidence.com. Com. I often say that's queen with the crown. So Q-U-E-E-N-F-I-D-E-N-C-E.com. That's the reasons for the crowns in the background. <laughs> yes. Reminding women of their power to rise, to rule and to reign over anything. <laughs> oh, I love that. That is beautiful. Well, thank you so much for being here and sharing your story. And for our audience, if you'd like to connect with Christy, please visit her at her website. She has a beautiful modality and a skill set that is beyond. And you can catch her speaking, I'm sure, when you go visit her website. She'll have all the links that you need. And remember, everything that we do 
it's about mindset. It's the crux of all that we do. It's a matter of the heart. Thank you.